On today's Two Beers Deep, uh, we got a special guest in the studio with us to uh, discuss some fun stuff. We got Steelers and Colts action that was razor thin coming out. We got some NFL news. We're going to discuss Garrett Cole. We're also going to get into some Penguins talk and some of my favorite stuff as well, a little bit of wrestling, which should be a giveaway to who's in the studio with us. So let's join in. Three, two, one, action. What is up, guys? This is Greg from Two Beers Deep, brought to you by ThoughtsFromTheBench.com. And in case you couldn't already tell, uh, this is not Derek that is going to be doing the intro because Derek is not here today. Derek is on a lovely vacation with his girlfriend to Texas for some reason. I don't know why, but whatever. Uh, I am joined with uh, my co-host extraordinaire, a guy who is the MVP of ThoughtsFromTheBench.com, the one and only Joshua Elsass. Josh, how are you, my friend? When did I be at the title of MVP? I know I won playoff MVP for the Cornhole team, but I didn't realize I'm now total MVP of the entire website. Oh, no. Derek and I have had this conversation many times that you are essentially the MVP just from all the work that you do for us. Well, that's really funny that uh, Derek says that um, to you, but then not to me. Yeah, that's really... he, try- he tries to hide his emotions to us. He likes to keep everyone at a distance and not really show his true feelings and all that. So be it. <laughs> but, uh, guys, before we get into some stuff uh, from what we are going to be talking about today. Let's just get into a quick rundown of what's going on from Thoughts from the Bench is uh, .com's website. Uh, if you want to make sure that you tune in to By the Wayside uh, every Sunday morning that Deke is going to be going over with uh, sponsorship from By the Wayside Coffee Truck. Uh, had a nice couple of videos this past couple weeks and they're going to be continuing. Also look out for uh, the Thoughts from the Bench Cornhole story. We got the winter season coming up this year with which my partner is that actually... That won't be until January actually. So Cornhole really? is done Wow! for the year. I, I plan on doing a uh, retrospective a little bit um, and then obviously we have the best of the benchers and the face-off between me and Benny. But yes, um, unfortunately it doesn't boot back up till January. So we're all out of cornhole for the rest of the year. You're gonna get, uh, you're gonna do some training for the next month and a half, kind of get your form on. Because I, I must say, your form was pretty, was pretty good in this past week. I say. Thanks. I think, um, I think, you know, you can expect some, some training videos coming out depending <laughs> on what the boys are up to. Uh, Ryan's actually getting married in a few weeks, so oh, wow. he'll be kind of out of the picture for a little bit as far as he'll be getting married and then, uh, you know, mm-hmm. honeymooning it up with uh, yeah. the teacher from the bleachers. Yeah, you got to be careful, man. Those those honeymoons, they could throw you off your game if you're not careful with that. You know, we after Michael Brookhart got married and came back and played so well, we, we're really hoping that the extra weight on Ryan's left hand is going to really help that him is, out. That is true. Brooksy was uh, the unofficial Lord of the Rings after his Exactly. Made it to the semi, so so credit to him. But um, (laughs) but yeah, look out for uh, in January. We'll be uh, picking up the cornhole videos again. Uh, The guys are going to be defending their title from this past year. Uh, I hope you guys are ready to defend honorably. Of course, we'll see. All right, and then also uh, look out for as Josh mentioned, the best of the benchers cornhole tournament will be November twelfth. Yep. uh, From Social in East Liberty, we are also going to have the. Much anticipated battle between Josh and Benny Buckets to decide bragging rights for who is the best cornhole player on Thoughts on the Bench. And honestly, the way that you have been throwing, it's going to be tough. <laughs> it's going to be tough for Benny to even come close to this. <laughs> but you still won't pick me. You'll see my shirt there. All right. Yeah. All right. You'll see my shirt there. So uh, after all the updates that we just discussed for uh, Thoughts on the Bench, uh, let's get into some sports talk, shall we? Because that's kind of what people are usually here for. Um, yeah. 
Let's get into Steelers versus Colts. Uh, it is definitely the game that everyone probably is going to want to know the most about uh, this past weekend. Uh, every single analyst that I saw expected it to be a close game. I thought it was going to be a close game, and it did not disappoint whatsoever. The Steelers uh, ended up winning 26-24 to on a Adam Vinatieri shank, which a lot of people are blaming on the spotter for having the laces out. Uh, laces out Marino. Laces out Marino. Uh, a lot of <laughs> there was a famous video going around that Pat McAfee, as soon as he saw the snap, he saw the laces out, and even he called it knew right away that it was going to be bad. Uh, Josh, just watching that game, what were your thoughts? And it can it doesn't have to be about the kick; it can be about just anything that you saw. So I I want to start with with something that really bothered me um, was particularly a player that was not only dressed but played. Mm-hmm. How is Anthony Ciccolo allowed to play for the Steelers right now? He was on the commissioner's exempt list while the investigation was going on. Sure. And then after the charges were dropped, um, there were charges against him and his girlfriend, apparently. And after they were both dropped, he was taken off of the exempt list, and they were allowed to be on the sidelines. He didn't – I don't believe he got any playing time. As he did. Far as... He had three snaps. Oh, he did? Okay. I actually did not think he was going to play because I would have been surprised he actually even got any practice this week. But I am very surprised that the Steelers actually let him play. I think he will probably be cut after this year just because that's something they don't want to deal with. I think right now they don't want to do it because of the salary cap situation that might be a problem going forward. But I do agree that he probably should not have played. Although then again, you're innocent until proven guilty in some cases, unless... Unless there's video evidence. Is there video evidence? Of confirmed? him hitting a woman. Oh, God. So... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's that's one of those cases where it's probably gonna happen eventually, yeah. sooner rather than later. Bypassing that. All right, it bypass. was just something that I wanted to talk about. No, no, it's okay. Um, the Steelers statistically have the second best defense in the NFL behind the team that lost on Sunday night, New England. I am not surprised by that. <laughs> they have 11 interceptions, 24 mm-hmm. sacks, and 10 fumbles. The only stat they lead the Patriots in is an impressive one. 20 per, 23% of their drives, or 23% of the drives by an opponent end in a turnover. That's scary to think about. Uh, is, is the Steel Curtain back? I don't want to say the Steel Curtain is necessarily back. I think what you've seen so far is that when Mike Tomlin first became the head coach of the Steelers, he had Dick LeBeau working with him. He had probably one of the best defenses in the NFL to anchor him. But as that defense was getting older, he kind of realized, okay, we got to rebuild this defense. And it took a while because the way that the NFL was moving right now, it's a pass-happy league. You got to have multiple defensive backs. You got to be able to have linebackers that can drop in coverage. And you got to have defensive linemen who are skilled pass rushers. And it took a couple years to finally draft the right pieces that they needed because we always had guys that were playing necessarily out of position. I mean, we had Paul Malu playing up as a linebacker a couple times when he was past his prime. I, I know I'm going to get slack for that, but I don't care. And. Honestly, it was the Minka Fitzpatrick trade that really put them over the edge because they have so much versatility in that secondary. For the longest time, the cornerbacks and the safeties, especially after Paul Malo retired, was always the biggest weakness for this team. And they finally, I mean, I can't remember Hayden and Steven Nelson. This might have been Nelson's worst game this past year, this past weekend. And aside from that, they played great. The secondary is making plays. They're being opportunistic. And they have linebackers that can run which is the most important factor that you can have in today's NFL. So I don't want to say the Steel Curtain is back necessarily, but 
it's looking like we're going to have a second coming eventually. What makes you think Steven Nelson didn't play well yesterday? He got picked on a lot by uh, Brian Hoyer, and um, uh, Zach Pascal was open a good number of times, which uh, Nelson would have had to be the man on it, especially without T.Y. Hilton. I mean, you got to lock down your man pretty well. I think, say his last name again, Pascal. Zach Pascal. Pascal. Mm -hmm. Just made some incredible plays. That's fair. I really don't think it was was our guys getting beat as I mean, like the one where he goes up and over and then does the tumble out of the out of bounds. Like right. the guy put on a show yesterday. That is fair, and I'm not I'm not saying that necessarily that he had a bad game, but I am saying it's the one game where he was exposed a bit. Sure, compared sure, sure. compared to all the games that he played this year, because the biggest compliment that you can have for a cornerback is to not have your name spoken, because right. that means you're doing your job. Right. Steve Nelson had his name spoken a couple of times this past game, so that is the nature of the beast. Not every corner is going to be perfect, but it, it the fact that it took this long for him to maybe make a couple of glaring mistakes, it, it says a lot because we've had consistency in that secondary. Isn't it incredible how one player in a team sport can make such a difference? It is scary. Minka Fitzpatrick has just unlocked the key to that defense. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. And that was something that, if Minka Fitzpatrick was not traded to us, we would have had Sean Davis playing. Or even or even if you think about it, the Sean Davis injury was essentially the catalyst for going for Minka Fitzpatrick. And it's it, it's scary to think about because this is a team that doesn't trade their first-round picks. This is the first time in 50 years that they have traded their first-round pick, and it, it's looking great. Uh, Derek and I have discussed this a couple times where if you had kept that first-round pick, I mean, right now I, w- I believe it would probably be uh, like in the late teens at this point, there is no one in this upcoming draft class that I would take in a late teen that could have the same instant impact as Minka. Minka is a guy that he is still on three more years of his rookie contract. That we we can keep him low, not going to count against our salary cap, and he's going to continue to make plays like this. Another question I have for you. Late in the game yesterday, Mason Rudolph seemed to fall apart. Mm-hmm. Is Is it you know, bad. So basically he was unable to sustain a drive, right? He had bad clock management late right. and couldn't couldn't just like drag out drives at all yesterday. Mm-hmm. Is this a rookie quarterback's growing pains or is this bad play calling from an offensive coordinator? Well, the the rookie quarterback thing, uh, he's actually his second year, but I, I get the, I get the argument. It's his, it's his first rookie year as a starter. He's, he's a, it's his first sure. year as a starter. Yes, that's fair. Um, we in Pittsburgh have really victimized um, their OC. Uh, he is not necessarily someone, and, for, and I don't know why, but for some reason his name is escaping me, and I, I'm going to be really upset about that. But, <laughs> but no, uh, Mason Rudolph, I feel like, is still going through his growing pains right now. And this, is, this Indianapolis defense, it's underappreciated. They're a team that has a lot of speed in their secondary, sure. just like them. Uh, so I'm not... I'm not surprised that he struggled against a better defense. I mean, they were very, very good. They didn't make any mistakes like the Dolphins did with a zero coverage like they did last week, but it's still growing pains. I think as weeks go on, we've seen him grow and develop into a capable starter, but in terms of time management, that's been something uh, that the Steelers have always struggled with in the Tomlin era, so that I'm not surprised with at all. And Randy Finkner, I'm sorry. Yeah, his name just completely escaped me. (laughs) So, but that's... My one argument that it might be on Fickner mm-hmm. is that the Colts were exposed by that pass out of the sec or 
out of the backfield, mm-hmm. right? We're doing the dink and dunk kind of stuff. Right. And really, like, almost Brady-esque, you know, yeah. Mason dropped back, didn't see anything deep, and would find his pressure valve. The Colts adjusted to that, mm-hmm. and we had no response after that. Right. I think the other big thing, too, is that Rudolph is still trying to learn when it's okay to take chances going deep because he was known in Oklahoma State for being a guy that liked to throw deep and he liked to be that gunslinging type of quarterback. I don't know if it's because being in the pros he hasn't been able to read coverage promptly yet because they've always said the biggest difference in the NFL with wide receivers and coverage is that in the college game, if you see a guy break break past the their corner, he's open. In the pros, it's more so of seeing if you're one-on-one because a lot of the late receivers or even pretty good receivers will say, if I'm one-on-one against a corner, throw it to me because that's their job to try to make a play. In college, it's more so you got to hope that your guy runs past the corner that's covering him, and that's something that he has to adjust to because he's got to be comfortable with being able to throw in coverage, not necessarily double coverage, but at least trust their receiver to make a play. Which is what Baker was unable to do yesterday. Oh man! When poor OBJ was open on the game, well, what would Ooh. have been the game-winning play? Are you surprised we didn't hear, we didn't see an OBJ rant? I mean, all you had to do was watch him at the on the sidelines as the <laughs> game went off the air. I that, mean, you know, they didn't even show the others the winning teams. They didn't show the Broncos sidelines at all. Oh man! They just kept cutting between. Mm-hmm. Um, Baker and, and OBJ and, and I mean Baker's yeah. al- or OBJ's alone on the sideline like yeah. talking to himself and mm-hmm. then has to do like anger sprints. Mm-hmm. My mom says that's stomping out your frustrations. <laughs> Which by the way, just a quick sidebar: the fact that the NFL made him take off his Joker cleats is sad. It's complete bullcrap. Well, to me. so are we done on the Steelers before we? <laughs> yeah, jump? we can okay. we can, we right. can transition if you want. Yeah, <laughs> um, Steelers make the playoffs. Just saying now. Okay. Um. So I I have written down uh, what team surprised you this week, but let's let's get into the cleat 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 gate, if you will, for a minute. So he's wearing them in warmups. Yeah. In fact, him and Landry are both wearing them in warmups. Right. Okay. This goes back to week two. OBJ is wearing a shield, mm-hmm. you know, because he always wears a visor. Right. And he on the first drive of the game gets all the way down to the five and then gets kicked off of the field because the ref has decided that his shield is illegal and he's not allowed to come back in until they change the shield. Mm-hmm. It's also like the watch gate too, where he was wearing a was it a thousand dollar watch during the game too, and he got fined for it. I've I've so many things to just that just wind me up about this so are you are you wind up because of obj being obj or you wind up by the officials kind of being very very pesky about the stuff that he's doing who in the hell cares about the watch the shoes the visor none of it gives him a strategic advantage it doesn't and all it does is allow the player to promote himself. That's the point. The NFL does not like the idea of personality overtaking the game. You can have your personality outside the game, but during the game, it's all NFL. What's the difference between Peyton Manning doing every commercial under the damn sun while he was a player and OBJ wearing goofy shoes? Because when Peyton Manning was at least doing commercials, that was off the field. He was when he was on the field. It was all business all the time. OBJ is all about his own brand twenty four seven, which there's nothing wrong with, especially in today's society. But at the same time, 
like it's different the nfl it's all about the game to them like trying to express yourself is not necessarily something they like it's just absurd i mean it's it's absurd and and it limits his ability to market himself to make money because let's be honest i mean yes he's making millions of dollars he's one of the highest paid receivers in the world right like great however the amount of money the nfl makes a year to the the drop in the bucket that obj is getting paid right like you're you're suffering as the the commodity there. They rather him not have a cool shoe deal with Adidas, not have a cool like visor deal with Oakley, right? Uh-huh. Because they rather him only be able to make extra money by selling his jersey, which the NFL then gets a profit of. Right. That's that's kind of how the circle works. And it's a little ridiculous because it is very true that the majority of money that these players make actually does come from commercials. And, right. and sponsorships and all that. That's a lot of disposable income for them, especially for the top-tier athletes. Obviously, the ones that you wouldn't say are superstars, that's their big income. But guys who have the marketability approach are definitely able to make a lot more than what they make. And not even just the NFL. I mean, LeBron James even came out and said that I make more money in sponsorships than I do from my playing. Same as Steph Curry. So it, it's it's professional athletes all over. Well, and then you have the scenario where they're able to cross over from their sport into a public icon thing. Mm-hmm. Would anyone know who James Harden is if it wasn't for everything else he does? I mean, it's it like well, he's he's a great basketball player, but he he is a pop culture icon. He also has a recognizable feature though to be fair. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's 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 the shoes, it's it's everything else that he does right. that gets him the attention. Same mm-hmm. with KD, right? Mm-hmm. They're not these these world standout players like a LeBron or a Steph where they would transfer over no matter what right right they're they're these great personalities that have been able to express themselves mm-hmm. on the court and have through sponsorship deals really elevated their status from just a basketball player well that's also why the nba is why i've always said it's a player-driven league because well, it's the best league it, it is the best league. sport best league that's fair and i've i've always been on record saying that that's what drives me nuts about the nba is that it the individual aspect takes away from the team aspect and because that is the biggest sport where a, one individual can just raise a team's level so much, but right. that player oftentimes becomes bigger than the team overall. Right. And that's something that bugs me a lot about the NBA because uh, you see fans who are more fans of players than they are teams. Sure. And that's something that just it, it irritates me a little bit. And if the NFL was trying to keep it so that people are fans of teams and right. not players, that'd be one thing. But it's all about the money. Yeah, that's true. And But, I mean, they are doing a hell of a job if that's their mindset of trying to make it just teams and not players, essentially. Right. right. Um, bypassing that. Also, one last note on that. So Jarvis Landry's shoes, did you see, were just the inverse? Yes. <laughs> so he had gold <laughs> shoes with the orange swoosh, and then they were orange <laughs> shoes with a gold swoosh. So uh, good on you, Jarvis. I do appreciate that, like, they tried to I, – I, I remember a couple years ago they tried doing that my cleat for my cause thing like that, and I think they still try to do it, but, like, come on. At this point, it's so much more fun. They're allowed to celebrate. They're allowed. I just don't understand. Yeah, it's. I get it for charity purposes and all that, but just give them their individuality. I think we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the Baltimore Ravens. (laughs) Um, Or more particularly, the man, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is probably the front runner for MVP at this point. I called Derek last night mm-hmm. to talk about getting gear and stuff for, for me to take over for him this week. Yeah. And uh, I, we're both watching the game, and I'm like, holy shit. I think this was after 
the field goal, but Lamar had basically driven down the field untouched. And, right. and uh, I said, holy shit, they're going to beat the Patriots. And, like, giddy child on Christmas, Derek is giggling on the other side of the field, goes, I know he's so good at football. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you watched him at Louisville, you just knew he was good. Yeah. It's like, and it's one of those things, too, that, like, especially, and this goes back a little bit further, like, in the NFL, when you're evaluating players and all that, it's kind of like when you get when you get your prototypical player and you look at the body type and you're just like, oh, I mean, he looks like a wide receiver or he looks like a running back. He's a quarterback. And it's and historically, a lot of these quarterbacks, and I don't know if it's just because of the scheme that they run or just because of how the game is essentially played, they don't necessarily succeed. We always had we always saw running quarterbacks that didn't necessarily translate well to the NFL, but in today's NFL, that's not necessarily the case because the NFL teams are now essentially changing the way that they run their offenses and defenses based on the players that college is producing. So you're going to see a lot more of these players that have that dual threat capability like Lamar Jackson coming up. So it's not going to be the case anymore. But yeah, I I remember before the game started, I mean, my dad, my dad's a big, big Belichick fan, and I am too. I love Big Bill, Bill Belichick, even though he is, he is Emperor Palpatine. He absolutely is. He's the best supervillain ever. He is. He's the best supervillain ever, and we love, we love villains. I don't know why. My dad, ha- my dad came up to me and he said, "If you think, I find it so hard to believe that they don't think that the evil genius is going to find a way to stop a running quarterback." But clearly, he's not just a running quarterback. He is more than that. Yeah. And he is someone that is a guy that is going to lead a new generation of dual-threat-type quarterbacks that didn't necessarily get the same opportunities beforehand because now everyone's going to look for the next Lamar Jackson, the next Russell Wilson, um, you know, the next Carson Wentz or something like that, or guys that are willing to take the opportunity to be able to run the ball to try to win a game. It's interesting because Russell Wilson has been doing it forever and seems to only get better with age. Right. Um, but he Russell Wilson isn't the size of Lamar Jackson. No. And does not nearly have the athleticism of Lamar Jackson. No. And the big argument is that Russell Wilson is in the Northwest, so he's not really viewed as much. Right. And then there's also that he has worked with less. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. he's, he's the... Uh, I'm 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 too um sick for a reference today. Um <laughs> but he's he's the he's the totally undervalued under underrated player of the NFL. Oh, absolutely. And this is a guy who's been a su- who's won a Super Bowl with probably the same level of talent that he has right now. Maybe a little bit more cuz he had Marshawn Lynch, but like still a terrible offensive line and not a good wide receiver core and he almost right. won two. Right. So well, and should have won two. He should have won two. That's very accurate. Why don't you run the ball? <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. It's, it's ridiculous. But, yeah, Lamar Jackson was amazing this past weekend. I can't believe that they beat the Patriots. Uh, that Patriots defense is one of the best I've seen in a long time, and there are a lot of no-names there. Uh, there's a lot of Rutgers guys there, Greg, I, so I know. you better watch yourself. You well, your... not anymore. Just really the McCourties. Yeah, that's true. And, but now Sanu on offense. So oh, that's true. There's I forgot, three he, I guys forgot he was there. Yeah. <laughs> Are you rah, rah? You and that Rutgers connection is just so weird. I know this. I know the story, but it's just still weird. <laughs> uh, you know, and then it's funny because uh, I have Marlon Mack in fantasy. And Marlon Mack's a USF guy, mm-hmm. which is another one of the teams I worked for. <laughs> and so, like, 
as offense as the Colts offense is like clicking along, I'm like, all right. First off, I don't want them to win because Steelers. Right. But if you're gonna win, could you please give the ball to 25? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see my my buddy do well, but then I'd also like to get the fantasy points. I yeah. I mean, I was surprised Brian Horror threw three touchdowns. I would have thought Marlon Mack got the majority of the work after that, but. Well, they've really been doing a, a split deal with him because they're trying to keep him healthy, and yeah. uh, it's understandable because oh, he's yeah. an explosive player when he gets the ball, and especially uh, there was a couple of times where he got downfield on the Steelers yeah. and made some guys look silly. Oh, yeah, no, Mac, Mac was his best in the second half last year. He was a big reason why they made it to the playoffs this past right. year, not just because of Andrew Luck. So, no, I agree with you. I think especially if Co- Jacoby Brissett is banged up next week, they're going to need to rely on him a lot. Yeah. Um, Let's transition. Let's do it. Okay. So can I appreciate the fact that you actually, and for a lot of people at home who don't know this, when me and Derek do podcasts, we kind of spitball a lot and just free up whatever comes off the top of our head. Josh is so organized when it comes to this stuff. Like, he's got notes prepared. He's got segments going down the list. Like, it's very professional. To give Derek at least an out here is that this is what I do for a living. That's true. And did for a living for four years uh, at an award-winning level. So Also um, true. Not a big deal. (laughs) Not a big deal. Okay. So- Garrett Cole. All right. After losing the World Series in heartbreaking Game 7, Houston Astros ace Garrett Cole announced he would not be re-signing with the team in a display that some considered inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Instead of wearing his Houston Astros gear, he switched to a plain gray t-shirt and a Boris Corporation hat. Now, some of you may be wondering, what is Boris Corporation? Well, it's the company his agent Scott Boris owns. Mm-hmm. Greg, is this inappropriate from the former um, Pittsburgh Pirate and uh, one of our all-time favorite players? If it wasn't Game 7 of the World Series literally an hour after his team <laughs> lost, I would have been – I would have understood it, but really bad timing on his part. I, I – I get the fact that he is going to be a free agent this year. He's going to make a lot of money on the open market. Yes, he is. Him and Strasburg are both on the open market right now. They're both going to get paid. I, I'm going to call this right now. I think Garrett Cole is going to be an angel. That's just for my betting I money. I don't necessarily like that. Uh, but okay. but it, he's from he's from the L.A. area. He likes living out there, and they have a lot of money that they can spend for him if they want. But it is... God, I don't know if it was an act of defiance because it was like a screw you for not bringing me into game seven. But at the same time, man, like you got to pick the right timing. You just lost game seven of the World Series. If things would have gone the opposite way, he would have been partying and celebrating with his team. But because his team. But maybe in a Boris Corporation hat. That would have been. I would have been like just even more pissed off if that was the case. But like, my God, man, like have some sort of sympathy. You're. Your team just lost a heartbreaking Game 7 where you could have been a world champion and you're immediately focused on your business. Do Is any of this giving you deja vu with Cole? Almost. I feel like I, I might have seen something similar to this before, but I'm struggling with it. Well, the A.J. Burnett-Garrett uh, Cole riff over the starter... Ah, uh, yeah. Elimination game against the Cardinals. Game five. I mean, it was it was the right call to put Garrett Cole in because AJ Burnett got whooped on a lot by the Cardinals past year. That but past year. The, I mean, you know, you you can't. Even though he wasn't maybe on the complaining side of that, mm-hmm. that was his hero and and That's really true. the guy who taught him how to be an ace and a dominant pitcher was AJ Burnett. That's true. 
AJ, Garrett Cole didn't have that attitude and that swagger till AJ Burnett showed up. No, AJ Burnett was um, the prototypical pro for that rotation, but he also wore his heart on his sleeve, and right. Garrett Cole was able to get that mindset from him, which isn't it's not a bad thing because I think pitchers are. I mean, like Roy Halladay was the biggest example. Pitchers are the weirdest creatures I think I've ever seen. Like, uh, goalies and. In uh, yeah, hockey, yeah, that's true too. I will say that. But pitchers are the amount of mental, like checks that pitchers have to do, and the amount of game planning that goes with it, and just the weird stuff and like little knickknack stuff that they have to do to be able to get themselves prepared for it is just weird. Like pitchers are just a different breed, man. Right. So I- I'm not surprised that he was outlandish like this, but he picked horrible timing for it. Like if it was if it was like maybe the day after or two days after and he was wearing his Boris Corp hat and he said something like that, I would be cool with it. Cause I mean, yes, at that time he is a free agent. He's going to weigh his options. He's probably looking forward to this because he's now the a big fish in a small pond that needs pitchers and needs plenty of it and he's gonna get a lot of money. But God, the timing was just really, really horrible. It makes him seem like such a dickhead so much. And it's really, really hard for me to think that a team who has a good, stable core right now and can think, well, we have that one piece that maybe we need to contend. We're going to bring this guy in with his talent, but how's he going to mesh with our locker room if he's all business like that? Well, uh, one of the possible landing spots for Garrett Cole Mm -hmm. is the Chicago Cubs. I'm not surprised by that. And uh, honestly... Mm -hmm. As 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 the only Cubs fan, I think on the bench at all. Um, yeah, I'd say that. I I would love to. I would love to have Garrett Cole. I think he would fit in well with your group because of the players and the characters that you have. And I think David Ross. David Ross, I'm intrigued to see how he does as a manager. By the way, because I think he could be a ne- a great manager, but I'm also a little worried that he could become too much like a too much of like the boys essentially at that point. But I'd be intrigued to see that work because of the culture that the Cubs have in place. And if you add Garrett Cole to that, you almost kind of have a guy who is so me-focused. I don't know if he would mesh well with the team. But I do think that if you add Cole to that team because they, I would argue, have not necessarily had great luck with aces in the past no, couple of years. They no, we traded away the only good ace we ever had. Mm. Which one? The uh, oh, Jake Arrieta. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, by the way, he's going to be free agent. So, see how that works. I, if, <laughs> if the Beard and Cole came to the same team, oh man, that would be fun. If anything, you would have the most intimidating pitching staff. You could have, you could have some dust ups though. I feel like Arietta and Cole on the same team is like a lightning. Round. I just don't see any problem with that. <laughs> if anything, the Cubs have lacked that that part of the game Mm -hmm. and and in baseball there isn't a lot of it right but they've they've missed some piss and vinegar yeah to be 100 percent honest no in today's major league baseball it's not necessarily that you can get by with i feel like you can get by without a true ace if you have a deep rotation but a lot more times than not the best teams are usually the ones that have at least one dominant pitcher and i probably cannot tell you who would be the dominant pitcher for the cubs off the top of my head i mean I mean, John Lester's kind of past his prime. Kyle Hen- Cole Hamels. Mm, he's also a little bit past his prime. I know, but that's who it was until yeah, he got hurt. That's fair. Cole Hamels. Kyle Hendricks is like – Kyle Hendricks pisses me off so much. Yeah, he's the guy that, you know, was supposed to be the future and just seems mm-hmm. to never take that next step. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it? Uh, you Darvish? Yeah. yeah. He was – but he never – like, you want to talk about aces, like mm-hmm. a guy that never really – 
developed. Well, he, he developed somewhere else, but then never brought that talent here. Yeah. Very I mean, similar to what Archer did in Pittsburgh. True. But I will say you Darvish did end up with a, a better career than Daisuke Matsuzaka ended up being, though. Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. We can at least agree on that one. So now mm-hmm. we're going to go back into uh, Pittsburgh sports here for a little bit. Yeah. The Pittsburgh Penguins, after losing a 2-1 overtime game to the red-hot Edmonton Oilers, now sit with a record of 8-5-1, and putting them fourth in the Metro and in the last wildcard spot. Mm-hmm. Is this the best-case scenario for a team that was basically playing with an AHL roster for 10 games? <laughs> uh, the First off, i got to say, watch, I was at that game in person, and watching them with basically all hands on deck was scary. The Pens? Yes. It was scary. They they looked good. The only reason that they didn't win that game was because Mike Smith played like the greatest goaltender ever at that point, stopping fifty one shots. But I digress. Did he? So I didn't get to watch the game. Okay. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. And you were texting me that, and I just kept saying no because I hate Mike Smith. Yeah. Did he look dominant? And you've seen dominant goaltending. I you've have seen, seen Matt dominant. Murray win, and you've seen Flurry win. Yes. And you've seen dominant performance from goaltending. Mm-hmm. Was it dominant, or were we just not getting the goal-scoring opportunities you would expect? We had some very good opportunities and down, shut the door. down low, and okay. he, he just did he just shut the door on them. I, it was scary to look at it, too, because usually the Pens are playing at their best when they have guys down low, not taking being there, being able to block up the pathway for open shots, I feel. So it, it was rough. My, Mike Smith just played like a god that day but i agree i think this is the best case scenario for a team that was basically playing right. with an ahl roster although it does say a lot that they had depth in that system to be able to bring them up and be able to not miss a beat i think they'd be better off they would be better off right now if they had full health right now and if Genny malkin was available for those first couple of games but i think that they are in a good spot right now i don't think it's i don't think you're that far off i bet they're like nine three and two if they're healthy. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's not like they have played bad teams. It's mm-hmm. not like they're losing to bad teams. Like, no. they've just they've lost some games. That, I, and I that can't, happens. I can't really – I mean, aside from the opening game against Buffalo, I can't really recall a horrible performance no. from them. No, 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 no. Yeah, I mean, I'd be intrigued to see how they do tonight because they usually struggle in Boston, but – well. And Boston's lost a game. Yeah, so I <laughs> – Are you kidding me? Yeah, so I, I don't know – I, I think they are in a good spot right now. I don't necessarily see the bottom coming out because the biggest loss so far is not having Hornquist for a while because Hornquist is a guy that was struggling a lot last year, and we were looking at it as, why did we give this guy so much money? But he turned it on at the beginning of the yeah, year. and he was really great. Yeah, he was great at the beginning of the year. Definitely stepped up, especially with Al Gino and needing to play that significant role on the second line, I believe. Yeah, yeah. second line. So I... I look at it as they just they got Geno back. I think they will be able to save face for a while. But I look at it as now as there's so much there's guys that have essentially proven themselves being able to play that the way they have. I like Lafferty. I like Zach Aston Reese. I like Teddy Bluger. Um I I like that line pairing with Z A R Tanev and Bluger, by the way, in that game. I thought it was good. Very, very good. So Go ahead, finish your, finish your thought, and then we'll get into the Brian Tanev scenario. <laughs> Brandon Tanev, yeah, but um, whatever the hell the guy's name. Yeah, is. no, and I got, and I also got to say too, uh, John Marino, man. I texted you at the beginning of the you year. you really did. I texted you at the beginning of the year, and you and you were just like, yeah, 
Well, no, say my joke. My joke was really funny. Yeah, what was it? Uh, better off if it was Dan Marino on our on I said, who the hell is that? Like, Dan, Dan Marino's, Marino's kid. kid. Yeah. <laughs> like that. would be great. Dude, he's, dude he, him and Jack Johnson are like a legit pairing now. That's weird. I'm still not okay with that. It's weird. <laughs> like, I, seeing Jack Johnson actually not be shitty is so bizarre to me. Well, first off, Marino is a wise beyond his years defenseman. He doesn't make mistakes. And what he reminds me a lot of is when Olimata first came into the league. Mm. We saw this, you know, 19-year-old kid that right. could just just seem to escape out of corners with the puck every time, was right. making these beautiful passes, was always in the right position. Right. And then, you know, injuries and cancer and a whole lot of other things set him back uh, progression-wise pretty pretty badly. I Do you think he's damaged goods, by the way? No. Holy. Nope. I never. I own an Olimata jersey, and I am proud of it. I have I an Olimata so. jersey, so I'm right there with you. But like, a jersey over a jersey, Greg. Excuse you me. You think that that's the same kind of investment in a player? Excuse me for picking and choosing my spots carefully. I got burned by Jordan Stahl when he got traded. You shut your mouth. Never burned by Jordan Stahl. I got burned by Jordan. No, Stahl. no, 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 no. Because I also own a Jordan Stahl jersey, mm-hmm. and I don't feel any regret for that. Um, Jordan Stahl was a linchpin mm-hmm. to the first two cup runs. Oh, I know. And had it not been for the salary cap being what it was, mm-hmm. he would still be on this team. No, that's fair. We would be, the big three would be down the center and we would never, like, think about how long, um, Couturier, Pavelski, and Thornton were the big three in San Jose. Mm-hmm. We would have had that with our three, but. Salary cap. Oh. Salary cap. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they at least did him the right thing by trading him to a team with his brother that he now no longer yeah. plays with. Can I also just say that with the one thing that I do love about the NHL, I love the salary cap. Makes things so much more entertaining. Well, you know, my brother and I keep going back and forth a lot that the only the only two teams that are guaranteed wins anymore are Ottawa and L.A., and L.A. is kind of shoving it up our hoops there because <laughs> they're beating good teams. It's really just Ottawa that's, that's a dumpster fire. Mm-hmm. I mean, every team in this league this year, I mean, like the Coyotes aren't a laughing joke. No. The Coyotes are beating good teams. Right. Um, you look at like even um, well, Carolina used to be a, a laughing stock. Florida uh, used to be a laughing stock. Another team that's actually turning a corner, Vancouver. Oh, we'll get to Vancouver. Yeah, I figured you would. We'll get to my college <laughs> hockey laden Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> so, um, I was gonna say finish your pen thought because I figured you had something. Oh yeah, we got we got questions in the whole nine yards. Mm. Uh. In the last game against the Oilers, Sidney Crosby held Connor McDavid pointless. Yeah, that was impressive. McDavid had some nice breaks, too. And, you know, it's fine, but is Sidney Crosby still the best player in the world? Yes. Not even, cl- not even close. Like, McDavid, McDavid, the thing about him when he was coming out, he was known as a pro He was His whole thing was that he is the fastest skater you will ever see. He's a prolific goal scorer, but he doesn't do the little things. I would argue he doesn't have the same kind of defensive mindset that Crosby has too, because he has to do those things to be able to be an all-around great player. Is he Canadian Ovechkin? I'm gonna say no, just because of the fact that I mean they play different positions and he's not much of a sniper. I would say. Yeah, I mean he's more he's more. Uh... 
Lemieux-esque probably as far as like that's fair yeah but Mario used to do little stuff all the time that made him right like Lemieux was one of Lemieux was our best penalty killer when he was in his prime so yeah like Lemieux did everything well it's just McDavid has not necessarily found that next gear to realize that I have to take my game to another level to be great I can't just be a goal scorer I can't just be a guy that just does fancy moves around the ice and tries to get behind defenders like I have to do little things to make myself a better player and I I don't want to say that's been the thing that's been holding back Edmonton for a while because I mean there's been a lot of other stuff that held back Edmonton but at the same time I feel like that's something that he really needs to focus on he has to take a hard look in the mirror at himself to get to that point okay Let's keep moving along because I want to make sure we have enough time to play our fun little game I made for you at the end. <laughs> the game also served as a return uh, for Evgeny Malkin. Mm-hmm. In his absence, the Penguins seemed to not miss a beat. They, in fact, played a style of hockey that Mike Sullivan rather play. Mm-hmm. Is Gino's return a bad thing for the Gwyns? No, because even with Gino in that lineup, they still put up they put up fifty two shots. They should have. Yes, they sure did. They they put fifty two shots. They should have won that game and. More times than not, they were still making smart plays. If anything, the one guy that was sticking out like sore thumb and playing really bad was Crystal Tank. Ooh. Latang made some horrible so now, mistakes in the neutral zone during that game and giving the puck away. Is that something? So without Malkin, mm-hmm. Chris Latang always had Sidney Crosby as his center. Right. Now the Malkin's back as a coaching staff, you'd be more tempted to get you know, as much ice time for Latang, maybe not matching him with Sid as much. Right. Could it be that Crosby makes Latang better because Crosby's so good defensively, whereas Gino is not? That's that's a fair point too, because Latang isn't the greatest defenseman. I mean, I will never. No. He is not. He is an offensive defenseman. And yes, you could say that he makes spectacular plays, but I mean, there is a case to be made that he's sometimes more of a liability than he is. I mean, okay. yes, I will say that the pairing of Dumo and Latang, phenomenal. They they play to each, they are each other's. They kind of counter each other well. Right. Dumo is like the heavy-handed defenseman. He's not offensive gifted. Latang is offensively gifted, but I, see, he, I think you're wrong there. But go ahead. But sorry. But like uh, Dumo is the guy that will kind of check it down and keep him responsible. Latang will take chances, but at least he has that safety net with Dumo to work off of it. Nick Nick Lindstrom mm-hmm. and Brian Dumlin have more in common than you think. Really? Yeah. Okay. Lindstrom originally was not known for being offensively prolific. It wasn't until later in his career when all of the other really big names on the blue line had left mm-hmm. that Lindstrom kind of started to expose the offensive side of his game. He was always an elite passer. Wasn't that? Wouldn't you say that was more of because of necessity than right. just like okay? Right. I have a hunch that Brian Dumlin is closer to Nick Lindstrom than we think. Dumo Dumo had the only goal in this past game, so I mean the way he walks the blue line mm-hmm. on the power play or at all when he gets the puck mm-hmm. is next level. And that's interesting because he doesn't get a lot of power play opportunities because it's usually Schultz and Latang there. But his ability to walk the blue line in the offensive zone with the puck is you can't teach it. He's responsible. As someone who tried to learn it, you can't teach it. <laughs> I mean, he's responsible, and that's all you can ask for with a defenseman. Right. I mean, like, I, and yes, Derek even came up with this too. I would much rather have six Brian Dumoulins on my team than, you know, six Chris Letangs. I mean, if it means being responsible, but yet having that little chance that you'll score, I'm okay with it. Uh, 
again, I, I think way higher of Brian Dumlin's offensive talent than most people do. So, But but that's because he doesn't show it as well, and you at least appreciate the little things about the game right. that you can see it. Right. Yeah. So do you think, though, that adding Geno back into the lineup will maybe put or mess up the vibe and the, the flow the Penguins have had early in this year? Well, when you put it in that perspective, I could see your argument with it. But at the same time, like I could only see with my own eyes as I was watching that game, and I could see Gino having the impact that he did. Yes, Latang made a lot of dumb mistakes, but I don't want to say that it's Latang focusing too much on the fact that he has Sid able to bail him out because that puts a negative aspect on Latang. Totally, handle. totally forget about them. Okay, if Kenny Malkin mm-hmm. is a East-West player, yes, he does not play systems. Mm-hmm. He does not play for a coach. Yep. He plays for Gino. And he plays occasionally for his teammates. Is adding him back in going to disrupt this tight knit, systematic Penguins team that we've seen the first twelve games? As of right now, I will say no. But okay. give it a couple of weeks and then ask me that again, and okay. then we'll see how that goes. Because I I do see your point that Gino is a very is a different breed when it comes to that, and I don't think he is a system guy either. I think anytime he he's tried to put in a system, it didn't work. Our Penguins beat writer, Marty, is uh, very hesitant to add Gino back into the lineup. We had a deep conversation with it, and he you know, simply said, like, look, it's, it's, it seems like every time Gino goes down, the team still wins right. in spite of it and somehow play better. Right. And now I understand that there's been, you know, the Rob Rossi article, all that bullshit. Yeah. And Gino before he got hurt seemed to really be on some some type of level trying to trying to win games and, and playing like con Smythe level of Kenny Malkin. Mm-hmm. I don't think that Mike Sullivan can survive of Kenny Malkin and therefore the Penguins cannot succeed with of Kenny Malkin. Is it because of is it almost like a Phil Kessel aspect where he do, he won't mesh well? <sighs> I don't think it's even a Phil Kessel thing. I think it's just that you know, first off, you're cutting back Sid's ice time to give Gino ice time. Right. Sid was playing 26 minutes a night without Gino, and that has been the biggest problem in Sid's career is he's just not getting enough ice time. Right. And guess what? When Sidney Crosby gets 26 fucking minutes a night, you're probably going to win most of your games. True, but, I mean, there is also an argument for wear and tear on not giving your star player, like, too much exposure necessarily. The other side of that is – Evgeny Malkin leads to more turnover goals than any other Penguin. That is very true. And you look the, at... His biggest mistake last year, that became way more apparent than usual. And as he continues to get older, he's not going to be able to just will his way out of scenarios where it used to be when Gino would cross through the blue line and try to take on three defenders, he'd get through three out of five times. Right. And he'd score one out of five, and you're going to take those odds every time. Mm-hmm. But... Now that he's on the north side of thirty, right, it's not looking like that's going to be the the situation for him. Right? Can he adjust his game and become a more cerebral player? I really don't think so. Yeah, I don't think he's a guy who thinks a game. I think he's a superior athlete, and I think no matter what sport of Getting Malkin played, you would know his name as a superior athlete. You think it's a stubborn mindset where he doesn't necessarily want to change his game because he still thinks that he can produce like he did? I think that he's an athlete, not a hockey player. Okay. He's not a hockey guy. Uh, hockey guys are, are Sidney Crosby, mm-hmm. uh, Sasha Barkov, like 
uh, Backstrom, those those are hockey guys. Mm-hmm. Bergeron, they think the game. They think m- more prolifically than most. Mm-hmm. Evgeny Malkin's a great athlete. And right. if Evgeny Malkin played basketball, he, he would be one of the best basketball players in the world. Oh, that's fair. If he played tennis, he'd be one of the best tennis players in the world. Mm-hmm. He just happens to play hockey. Yeah. Um, and I just don't think that he's he will be able to adjust his game in hockey in particular. Um, athletes don't last as long as great hockey mm-hmm. minds do. Yeah. And that's really what's going to come down to. It's one of those things too, where if we didn't have Sidney Crosby, but Gino was our lead guy, I would also not see us being able to maintain this aspect. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, we got 10 minutes left. Okay. So I'm going to skip the other NHL question. Okay. Um, Surprised you didn't want to talk about your uh, Vancouver Canucks right now because I figured I got you hyped for that. It's all right. Let's let's do a little bit of wrestling because I really want to play this game <laughs> because the game is 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 built up for you. And when I do two beers deep live on Facebook with mm. Morehead later, I'll have a different game for him. Yeah. So just quick uh, for anyone who listens, uh, one of the big things that with Derek not here and Josh in, you will get wrestling content just because that's how me and him became good friends. So right. to this day, so it is natural for us to talk about it. And I think, but I think, you know, this, this, this trans, this translated above wrestling. Okay. So on Friday night SmackDown, the WWE ran into a problem after crown jewel in Saudi Arabia. They were for, they were faced with a scenario where a large portion of their roster were trapped in Saudi Arabia. So with quick thinking, they had NXT invade SmackDown. We saw a number of dream matches, the highlight being Ring of Honor founder Daniel Bryan versus <laughs> Ring of Honor standout Adam Cole. Uh, Baby. Right. The whole night ended with Triple H challenging the WWE roster to go head-to-head with NXT at Survivor Series. What did you make of all this, Greg? Uh <laughs> I am very, very, very happy that the Saudi Arabia incident happened for us to get this. <laughs> Daniel Bryan and Adam Cole was one of the best TV matches I have watched in a long time. Champa and Miz in a match together is something I never knew I wanted. And yeah. then watching it, it was like, okay, these guys could really do some fun stuff together. Um I never thought the idea of Ray Ripley and Tegan Knox as a tag team would work well, but God, I love both of them so much. Um, that was so much fun. That was one of the most fun wrestling TV shows I have seen in a while. It wasn't nostalgic. It wasn't like there wasn't a there wasn't just like this one overarching story that was going on throughout the night that you had to pay attention to and all that stuff. There wasn't like all these enhancement matches that no one cared about there wasn't um you know maybe trying to get a guy over that you didn't necessarily want to see no it was guys that me and you guys and women that me and you have watched for a couple years now who have this like underground fandom still going on even though they're on usa network which is still something that i don't get why they're not more popular but i digress on that but god it it just made you realize like how much better the people that we see on NXT are compared to some of the superstars we see in WWE. It it was so much fun, man. It was a lot of fun. Um, Something that was proposed on what culture by a fan, actually. Mm -hmm. What if Survivor Series wasn't Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT, but it was Raw or SmackDown versus NXT and leading into Survivor Series Raw and SmackDown superstars had to compete for the right to take on the NXT guys. I'd be very intrigued by that because my mindset was 
when I first heard it was Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT, I was like, okay, how in the world are you going to do Brock Lesnar versus Bray Wyatt versus Adam Cole? I feel like that's a mismatch in so right. many ways. But no, I like I like that mindset. I I do not know how the format for Survivor Series is going to be. Because my mindset is, when they first did that, I was like, are they going to do triple threats for everything? Because it's it, triple threats for everything is going to mask it really badly. Right. But I like the idea of maybe mixing up Raw and SmackDown versus NXT. Because it kind of forces... It forces Raw and SmackDown to compete to decide who is the best and then go against, like, this... I mean, I don't want to say, like, uh, this, like, other side thing that claims they are the best and have fired the first shot at you. It was like it was like last year's Survivor Series, like, when they tried to do the firing the first shot thing, when the women right. invaded right. Raw. Like, it was right. fun. Well, and it led to the man. It did lead to the man. It led to w- the hottest thing in wrestling in years. One of the best t-shirts i think i ever saw was just her bloody face on a t-shirt it was great (laughs) two other questions about this okay one does the fiend participate in survivor series traditionally universal champion faces wwe WWE champion yeah and also by the way i love that they're putting wwe champion on raw and universal champion on smackdown because we finally get a new universal title thank god well have you seen it i have not seen it yet but i heard but the red strap is horrible it's well it's fiend is it? Yes. Oh. It's the first, well, no, nah, I guess the eco-friendly championship the is the first one of, of the new era. Oh, so good. Anyway, so should The Fiend wrestle at yes. Survivor Series? Yes. One of the, it's one of the big four events, or big five now, which I say Money in the Bank is. But yes, it's one of the big five events. You have to have The Fiend there. Okay. And then finally, and the it just left my mind just like that, <laughs> something to do. With NXT, I thought. With NXT? What, you're saying do you want NXT to beat the main roster together? Or do you want something to do with War Games? Or It doesn't matter. All right. All right. Let's move on to the game. Which, by the way, low-key, cannot wait for the Women's War Games match. Yeah. I'm not going to be available for TakeOver, but I will watch that before I come over for Survivor Series. So, Mm -hmm. for those of you who don't know, Greg has the memory of the movie character rain man it's 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 bizarre it's it's really disturbing and his ability to remember stats and people and scenarios is is really incredible and it's not just wrestling it's not just football it's not just baseball it's it's really it's everything yeah so i've taken all of your favorite sports okay and i've put them into a five thing questionnaire okay (laughs) and we're just gonna see how you do okay i like it okay let's do it first question who had more career goals, Mary Lemieux or Yammer Yager? Yager. Correct. Yeah. Yager with 766 goals, Mary Lemieux with 690. Yeah, the longevity part I kind of figured. Who has more world titles, The Rock or Stone Cold? World titles. Um... This includes the WCW belt, ECW belt, and WWF championship. Oh, the Rock. Right again, Rock has 10. Austin has 6. Yeah. What team did Babe Ruth hit his first home run against? The Baltimore Orioles, the New York Yankees, the Boston Red Sox, or the Pittsburgh Pirates? I actually do not know this. It wouldn't have been the Yankees. No, wait. Sorry, let me rephrase that. It wouldn't have been the Red Sox because they weren't the Red Sox then. 
and he played for Boston first. I don't believe the Pirates. Um, I'm going to say Baltimore. The New York Yankees. Ah, damn. Did you missed one. Yeah, I did not know that one. Okay. Uh, if you get this one, you win the game, uh, and we'll do the fifth question for fun. All if right. you miss it, you're still it's still up in the air. All right. Which college football program has the most national championships? Yale, mm-hmm. Michigan, Alabama, or Clemson? This is a tricky one. I'll go Yale. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yale has 18 recognized national championships. Mm-hmm. Uh, the debate, though, is that there were ones that were unrecognized when there were only a handful of schools. Yeah. So technically, Princeton has 24, uh, and Yale has 20, yeah. but recognized as 18. Mm-hmm. If Alabama wins this year, they will tie Yale I for was the really, most championships. I was really close to going Bama, but then I was like, wait a sec. Ivy League's play college football like has been well, around forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you've officially won the game because you have three out of five already. All right. Let's see if you can get four out of five. Who has the best rookie passer rating in NFL history? Tom Brady, Dan Marino, Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes. Well, it's not Patty because he didn't play his rookie year. I don't believe it's Brady. Rookie passer. Um, <laughs> you've eliminated two guys that, that you're right you're in the right path you're on the right path it, it is one of the two guys you've gotten it down to either Dan Marino or Dak Prescott Dan Marino was amazing his rookie year but Dak was a little bit oh no wait Dak put a, had a really good rookie year yeah I'm gonna go Dak that's correct yeah ladies and gentlemen you witnessed it live well Kind of live. Kind of, yeah. How good Greg is. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, I really tried to find some stumpers. Um, No, the baseball one was good. And to make you miss on baseball, I'm going to keep that one in my pocket. No, you you should. Like, I knew it wasn't Boston because he started his career in Boston. Correct. But, like, it was like, yeah, that was tough. He actually hit his first ever home run against the New York Yankees. That's funny. I did not know that. Thank you for teaching me something even, today. Even, be- even better. <laughs> um, so that's been Two Beers Deep Yeah, with Josh and Greg. Thank you. I, I kind of can't wait to see what kind of game you come up with for uh, for Moorhead. Well, it, I don't know whether or not Moorhead listens to the Tuesday edition, so I don't want to give it away. Mm. Um, but uh, it, 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 trust me, it, it, yeah. there will be a lot of flustering and flailing of arms <laughs> and limbs from Moorhead. So uh, just a quick program alert, guys. Uh, this coming Thursday, uh, Deke and I will not be doing uh, the standard Thursday live show. Deke- the first ever Two Beers Deep without both yeah. Greg and Derek. Yeah, and uh, the reasoning uh, is because of um, me being a, a, a dum-dum and forgetting the day that I was going to a concert. So that fun on my part. But uh, I will be at a concert, and Deke is still going to be in Texas. So uh, you are getting a... Two guys that we absolutely trust to do the show, and if not two, then one and a Moorhead. So <laughs> you will be getting you will be getting uh, Joshua Elsass and the Rank King Austin Moorhead. Please please bust his balls for the damn candy ranking because that was horrible. Well, you know, if if anything, you're getting um, me and someone who greatly frustrates me. Yeah. So that that alone is is good content. Whether or not we'll talk good sports, I I don't know. It'll be entertaining. That's all. But that it'll be entertaining if for he brings sure. up, if he brings up the iconic thing again, just slap him. 
I just yeah. I well, know. I can't. I apparently I'm not doing well in the league. Maybe <laughs> if Ryan ever got us some damn scores. Yeah, our commission is really really bad at this. Um. Oh, by the way, are are you guys doing a uh, a watch along for Full Gear this weekend or no? Uh, no. Oh, okay. No, no watch along for Full Gear on Sunday. However, we are doing weekly AEW watch alongs every Wednesday night for Dynamite on Twitch, on the Thoughts from the Bench Twitch channel. Uh, those start at 8 a.m. and end at 10 p.m. with the show. See, this is why I'm glad I did that nice little plug for you there so you, you can go. talk your stuff Good, up. That, they call that a segue. Mm, thank you. Pro. <laughs> uh, this week it'll be me and Wrestling League member Greg Skelp. Ooh. So, I'll be um, entertaining. Skelp's got some good uh, good punchlines right there for him. A lot of good punchlines, and, and if you need to know about his passion of it as a wrestling fan, go back and uh, jump on the IGTV and check out when uh, the Wrestling League went to AEW because mm-hmm. uh, when DDP came out, I oh, thought went... Greg Skelp was going to cry. <laughs> That was fun. That was something I wasn't expecting too. That's when you know it's a good show when stuff surprises you. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so this will be out Tuesday, and then we got AEW watch along Wednesday at eight, two beers deep Thursday at six. Six, <laughs> six. yes. Do not forget the time you're hosting it. And then uh that'll conclude the week of SAS, because uh, Friday I'm gonna go see Incubus and Heinz Hall, so Whoa, everyone can go. Screw have fun off. with that. That's a weird place for them too, but well way. it's the twenty year anniversary of Make Yourself. Ah, gotcha. And um my guess is is that the set will be pretty heavy with some orchestra and some other some other uh additional instruments that okay. maybe aren't so traditionally that is, featured. So that is- Probably the perfect place for them. And then right. Saturday, I will be in Cincinnati seeing We the Kings, State Champs, and Simple Plan with my lovely girlfriend. So, well, you didn't fun. state who you're seeing Thursday. Thursday, oh, uh, Thursday, I will be at the Peterson Event Center with uh, some friends of mine from college, and I will be seeing Logic. There you go. Yeah. Large, large span of uh, musical tastes here yes. on the bench. Very, very strange, but we love it. Also, uh, quick plug: uh, Sunday we're doing. Um, a cornhole charity event uh, to help raise money for somebody who's been affected by cancer. Um, if you would like to join us, um, currently there are two cornhole members who do not have partners. Wow. Uh, so you could play with a defending champion cornhole player. Uh, please reach out to me. Uh, LSAS77 is my handle on all platforms, um, and uh, we'll get you signed up. So. Yeah. It's for a good cause, everyone, so yeah. please, please give it a and look. And it's it's being hosted by the captain of the Cornhole team, so that makes it even Tom better. Bay. There right you go. There. All right, uh, guys, thank you for tuning in to Two Beers Deep. I think we're done with shameless plugs. Uh, I don't have anything else off the top of my head. You got no. anything? No, we'll see you later in the week, uh, Wednesday and Thursday. All right, peace out, everybody. Thanks for listening.